Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, time for another edition of Penn Live's Blue White Breakdown our Penn State podcast. Tuesday, I'm Bob Flounders, joined uh, by Greg Pickle. A lot to get to uh, today. This, Greg, I know we try and keep these podcasts tight, but between the weather, signing day, James Franklin's Tuesday presser, all Big Ten offensive selections, if we wanted to, we could probably talk for four days, but we're not going to do that. We're going to try and keep it nice and tight uh, I want to give a shout out to my buddy for my uh, Christmas present. This is, he, he knows how much I like visors. This is a pelagic visor in USA uh, colors. I had to look it up. Uh, it's a, he's a huge, uh, uh, he likes to fish a lot. I think he likes to fish in the ocean a lot. And this is like the company to get the apparel. So that wanted to say thanks for the ha- holiday gift. Uh, if any fans want to give me more gifts, they're welcome to it. Uh, I prefer alcohol, but that's okay. It is the season that keeps on giving. Greg Pickle, good to see you. Um, we're going to start with the all Big Ten team. But, Greg, before I got to ask, before we even talk about Penn State, um, are you nice and loose and limber? You, ha- you just bought a brand new house. It's got a huge driveway. You got two SUVs. You got a gold retriever who's going to want to play in the snow. We're going to get, according to the weather people, anywhere from – eight to 18 inches of snow in the next 24 to 36 hours. Are you ready for some shoveling? I am ready to hope that they're more, uh, it's closer to eight inches, Bob. Be wrong again one time. Yeah. So no, I'm not looking forward to that. That was an interesting question. James Franklin fielded about how the staff deals with snowstorms and getting the work and everything else. I guess, Bob, that if you wanted to look for one positive about the zoom nature of 2020, yeah. it's that if you wanted to have virtual meetings and not go out in 18 into the snow, you don't have to, but I have a funny feeling that James Franklin and his staff will be at the last building tomorrow for signing day, of course, for practice and whether or not they make it out of there, I guess that's anyone's guess. But I don't think State College is, is to get uh, as much snow as we are in Harrisburg, so that could be helpful. They're still supposed to get a lot. So time will tell, Bob. But, yeah, I'm not uh, overly thrilled to start the day at 6.30 for signing day and then start shoveling around 2.30. Yeah, even though you're still a young fella, just make sure you stock up on pr- uh, plenty of uh... – what is it? Ben Gay. That's the stuff that's got the, that's the warming heat bomb. Cause I think you're going to wake up Thursday morning. There's also some other things you can do to, to eliminate some of the pain. And I think, you know what I'm talking about, but as, as James, James was asked about the question, uh, he immediately said 2020 man or 2020 baby. It's just been that kind of year. We'll get back to the, we'll get back to the weather a little bit, but let's talk uh, literally just as we're, we're uh, putting this together uh, a couple hours ago, the all Big Ten offensive teams by the vote of the coaches and the media were announced. Um, uh, a little bit later in the week, there'll be some defensive uh, players get honored and some special teams players. But uh, 
I don't know that there were a lot of surprises, but Greg, let's you you uh you you know as as well as I, there were about a half dozen I think Penn State guys um, that were singled out, and, and it's no surprise, Greg, the the guy that was the first team pick, the tight end of the the Ted Qualick who played at Penn State, uh, tight end of the year, or maybe it's the Qualick for you, I don't know. Ted Qualick's involved. It's Pat Fryermuth. I think he played. Uh, I think he made it through four games. Uh, unfortunately, before he had uh, an injury, he had shoulders, uh, not shoulder, I shouldn't say that. Season-ending injury, it looked like his right arm is in a sling. Uh, I think we've seen the last of Pat in college. He's got a bright future in the NFL. First team pick of the coaches. I think second team pick of the media. I was one of the people who voted. I don't. Uh, I know there were a couple good tight ends. The tight end, the Ferguson kid at Wisconsin's a good player. I think it's Barry Alvarez's grandson. But I, I, I'll, I don't mind saying I thought I thought Pat Fryer was a half a season was enough for me. I voted him first team All Big Ten tight end. Uh, your thoughts on the rest of the selections? Anyone surprise you? Yeah, you know, I think obviously first with Pat, he didn't play a full season. But if there's yeah. ever going to be a year where you awarded the guy as much for what he's done in the past as opposed to what he did yeah. in this pandemic-impacted season, it would certainly be uh, Pat Fryermuth, the first team pick by the coaches, second team pick by the uh, media vote. As you mentioned, he was behind the uh, Ferguson kid from Wisconsin uh, in the media vote. But, yeah, I mean, you look at these teams here and – there were a couple of guys who earned honorable mention nods. Um, you know, Mike Miranda was a unanimous second team pick at guard. If I'm not mistaken, that's correct. Uh, you know, Jahan Dotson on the third team, probably a little bit surprising, but Bob, you, there's some good wideouts. There, there are some really good wideouts in this league. Number one and number two, I think that, you know, the way the voting on these things work is that, and you can speak to it obviously better than, than me. So maybe I should just let you talk at this point, but okay. you know, there's a lot of guys who maybe, if you're looking at these ballots and you're just thinking about how to rank these guys, I mean, how do you break up Ty Frofogel, David Bell, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Dotson, Bateman at Minnesota? I mean, there are a lot of really good receivers in the big 10. So I think some might view it as a slight to Jahan Dotson. I really don't. I mean, you could make a case, I think for all of those guys to possibly be first teamers, but he only picked two. So that's just the way it goes. And those Ohio state kids are good and pro five and bell are terrific as well. So no, um, no hard feelings there. I don't think uh, Michael Mennett, the third team center pick for the offensive line, uh, Rashid Walker actually was a second team pick of the media. Will Fry is a second team pick of the uh, uh, coaches. So yeah, a lot of Penn state guys honored here, uh, obviously, you know, the Owen five star and then three game winning streak certainly uh, took some of these guys off the radar and then back on it, but uh, kind of pretty much as we expected, I think maybe didn't expect to see Miranda as a second team guard, Bob, where did you have him in that voting? Yeah, I thought Mike, I thought Mike uh, was, was very, uh, I, you know, considering that he, he, this was his first year as a start, he was in a timeshare with CJ Thorpe last year. Um, I thought he had a tremendous year. I thought Mike Miranda was one of those guys that definitely got better uh, as the season went on. He's also one of the more versatile players on Penn State's team. He's obviously taken very well to Phil Troutwine's coaching. The fact that he can play center and guard, I think, also helped. I just wanted one, just one up. Rasheed Walker was a third team, not second team, uh, media tackle. I was happy. I was very happy, Greg for Mike Miranda uh, to get recognized. And I also was, you know what? Some of the fan uh, feedback that I get, uh, a lot of people kind of dismiss the career that Will Fries has had at Penn State. 
second, I, he was a second team pick at tackle, I believe. I'm not sure if it was uh, coaches or media, but he actually kicked inside the guard uh, midway through the year to make room for Caden Wallace at right tackle, who's just a redshirt freshman. And I think in future years, we're going to be hearing more about Caden Wallace when it comes to uh, the all big 10 team. So Will Fries, you know, I remember when he was even redshirting, they debated playing him in 2016, played a lot as a redshirt freshman in 2017, 2018. I mean, the guy, the guy's been, the guy showed up for, for four years. He's played a lot of football. I just think he's one of the more underappreciated uh, players, uh, you know, during the James Franklin era. Is he an elite offensive tackle uh I would say, obviously, he is not. I think, though, he's a guy that can, can play in the NFL. The fact that he showed he can play guard and tackle will help him as well, much like Ryan Bates did at Penn State. I was very happy for him. To your point about Jahan Dotson, I'll just say this. that When you vote for the All-Big Ten team, uh, at most of the positions where there are – you got to vote for multiple players. In other words, you only vote for one quarterback. So it's – you only – you have to – you give them your top three choices at quarterback. That's easy. But for like the wideout position, even in this day of spread offenses and three receiver sets, they ask you to rank the top six. So, you know, that might that might be something they want to revisit uh, down the road. I would also say, Greg, you know, Jahan Dotson, he, he did come – he had a good year during a year where there were some good wideouts. But also the fact that, you know, Penn State does not have a winning record. The, the fact that they've kind of gotten away from the passing game the last three weeks, all of that probably uh, worked against them. But there is no doubting to me. Um, I can't remember if I had him in on second team or third team, but I did. Greg, having seen what the Ohio State receivers were able to do, and you know, even last year, having seen Rashad Bateman, what he did to Penn State, um, we've we've seen the Fry Fogel kid. I think now twice uh, against Penn State, obviously a very deserving player. I think you could make an argument that that Jahan Dotson was a top four wideout in the Big Ten this year, but I think it's also hard to put. You know, you, you could you could it's you know there are guys that also are deserving in that consideration. That was one of the positions I thought was really tough to kind of once you got to me once you got past Chris Olave, who I thought was the best receiver in the Big Ten this year. I, I just thought you could make a case for four or five other guys. I, I was pleased that Penn State got that many kids uh, recognized on the offensive side because they did have their issues, I thought, on offense, you know, early in the season. They rebounded nicely. Uh, and we'll just see. There, there's a couple There's a couple players that might be coming back. Miranda might be one, I, w- I would assume. I'm not sure. Uh, Caden Wallace will be talking about. Rasheed Walker's got an interesting decision to make. Jahan Dotson has an interesting decision to make. So we'll see how they, they kind of play it. It plays out not only for the rest of this year with regard to the bowl game, but maybe for next year. Bob, tell the listeners how much fun it is to pick, what, six guards, six guards? <laughs> how do you go? Oh, oh you know what? It's, it's a labor of love. I, but it is, if you're going to do it, it's it's every bit of, you know, it's going to, it took me a full Friday morning because you don't get to see during an eight-game schedule, you know, you you're, you don't get to see a lot of, you know, we, we did not get to see Wisconsin, fortunately, we got to see Iowa. Uh, we got to see Ohio State, but like a team like Northwestern, I was I was researching Northwestern fairly heavily, uh, especially on the defensive side because they had some really really good defensive games, and it, it just took a little while 
you know, to get caught up to speed. But for, I think for defensive line, Greg, you had to, you had to pick 12 guys and rank them. I think, I think for offensive tackle, it was, you had to rank six uh, linebacker. I believe it was nine. It, it was just, you know, you don't want to, the last thing you want to do is a, um, you, you don't want to, you don't want to short, thank God for the internet. You just, and, and YouTube. You don't want to short anyone, especially who's played during a pandemic and played during well. And also you want to be fair to Penn State, but you also I'm real big on not showing a bias towards Penn State. So um, if, if, if I voted for a Penn State kid for all Big Ten, I guarantee you he deserved it and he earned it. But it's just it's it's just it's it is not something you can do in 25 minutes if you're going to take it seriously. And I enjoy doing it. But uh, this year with less games, it was even more more challenging. All right. Well, the defense team comes out on Wednesday and the special teams uh, team comes out on Thursday. So more to come, I'm sure, for Penn State with there being three coaches teams and three media teams. So we'll see how things shake out. But, um, Bob, I guess we can move forward to the next topic here. I don't know where you had planned on going with this. So maybe I'll just do this. I'll give the commercial and then you can decide where we go next. But it is the Blue White Breakdown, youtube.com slash all Penn State for the video version. You can, of course, find the three a week between Bob, Dave, and I that are extended versions, plus Dustin Hawkinsmith's daily updates, uh, wherever you get your audio, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, uh, or anywhere else that has podcasts available. So where to next, Bob, on this uh, Tuesday before the snowstorm? Yeah, so just to make sure, did we get to all six kids? Friermuth, Dotson, Miranda, Walker, Manet. Who's the, who's the six? Fries. Can we talk about it? Fries. Yeah. Who? Yep, we, yep, Fries. Yeah, we'll Okay, fries. good. That's, I just didn't want to be that guy that said, oh, all right, great job by all six guys, and then just talk about five of them. Uh well, we talked a little bit. About, you know what? I think, you know, everyone knows they're playing Illinois. Everyone knows they're a heavy favorite to make it their fourth. Why don't we just go to signing day? Because I think that fans are probably just as jacked up, if not more jacked up about recruiting than they are probably about this season or even the all big 10 teams. Greg, it's going to be, it is Wednesday uh, and Penn state's class uh, is led by, I, I want to say it's, it's, it's the offensive lineman is the top guy I think on their charts uh, if I'm wrong, you may uh, berate me verbally. Um, but Langdon Tangwall, is that it? That's right. right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before you talk about him in the class in general, um, how can you talk a little bit about maybe past signing days in December and how is Penn State going to prepare for a game and also signing day? I know the hay is kind of in the barn on signing day, but still logistically with the Zoom and practice prep, you know, and all that stuff and future recruiting classes. Um, how tough has this week been for James and, his, and, a snow, and you know, a pending snowstorm? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's yet the latest uh, fun and exciting part of 2020. Uh, 2020. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the 2021 recruiting class with early signing day set for Wednesday. That period runs through Friday, which is worth noting because Deshaun Morrell, a three-star running back from Alabama, is going to announce between the UCLA Bruins and the Lions on Friday. So stay tuned for that. 
As we head into Wednesday, though, Bob, 15 commits in this class. There's no reason to think that any of them are not going to sign. Could there be a surprise tomorrow? Sure. It's always possible. It's unlikely, though. Um, And you're right. I mean, this is just a weird week. Typically, you know, Joe Hermit would be frothing at the mouth to be at the Lash building, uh, getting photos of, you know, because as it's always been. You know, they sit on the second floor of the last building. James Franklin sits around the table with the other coaches and they have Sandy Barber and the band and, you know, other athletes. Stop by. Yeah, it's in there announcing players' names and they put them up on FaceTime on the big TV screen. And yeah, there's none of that this year. I mean, I'm sure they will make it as special as they possibly can. But, you know, as James said, they're going to go about their regular game day routine week and he will uh, be with the recruiting staff doing these FaceTime calls and things like that with the players' families, which are already scheduled out. He said that was a big help. So they'll bring the the position coach and the area coach in to join those calls. But yeah, it's just a weird day and it's a shame. You know, these, this class was not able to take visits since March. Uh, no official visits. No, you know, kids are signing it with schools and Penn State's uh, involved, among this group that, you know, there's kids they haven't even hosted yet that are going to see State College for the first right. time whenever they get here. So that obviously is going to make things tough. But yeah, ultimately, Bob, um, a class that I think had people had a lot of high hopes for. There's some uh, things out there today. I think Ryan Snyder from Blue White Illustrated might have written this, but I do agree that I bet this class ends up being viewed in a better light down the road than what it is right now. This group is number 20 in the big 10 number, or I'm sorry, number 20 in the country, number four in the big 10, number 20 in the big 10 would be a problem. Um, You know, they missed out on a lot of high, highly valued, I guess you could say uh, prospects in this class, you know, Nolan Rucci, obviously being the one, a lot of people will point to Warwick five-star offensive tackle going to Wisconsin, but there's some other guys in that mix too. You're right though. Landon Tangwall leads this group is a four-star offensive lineman from Maryland. He committed Bob last March and has never looked around anywhere else, despite there being a lot of places that surely would have been interested in having his services. He's going to enroll early. A handful of guys will enroll early in this class, Bob. So, you know, they'll make uh, make Wednesday as special as they can. And of course you can follow uh, penlive.com slash Penn State football for the latest updates. We'll post the whole class. We'll post two signs first and all that good stuff. So, We'll see um, if there's any surprises either tomorrow or Friday. I think they probably are in pretty good shape with Morell. They're running back from Alabama. I don't think there's going to be any late drama on Wednesday. Of course, it's recruiting, so anything is possible. But it's just been such a weird cycle, Bob. I mean, we thought back in the spring and early part of the summer, this would be the year of the decommitment because so many guys were committing right around the start of the shutdowns. And that was, you know, whether they just wanted to save a spot, whether they thought their process was going to be over, whatever. Uh, And the assumption was that once visits started again, that decommitments would happen left and right. Well, guess what never started again? The visits, of course. So um, that has helped schools keep their commits in, you know, in in the class and, and Penn State's been able to do that. Yeah, so I know uh, it's going to be a busy day for uh, you. It's going to be a busy day for James. It's going to be a a busy day for his staff. Andy Frank is a guy we never really talk about, but he's really uh, a key figure, uh, you know, on a daily, on an hourly basis when it comes to Penn State uh, and recruiting. He is the guy that kind of oversees everything as well uh, as James Franklin. And I'm sure you're going, I believe you'll get a chance to talk to him on Wednesday to see what his thoughts are, maybe about some of the challenges 
you know, dating back to uh, the start of the, the, the pandemic and maybe, you know, Greg, I mean, as vaccine, X vaccines are rolling out, there's still, we still don't really have a real good picture as to what 2021 is going to look like in terms of everything. So uh, I'm just wondering maybe what, how he's kind of preparing, he and James are preparing, you know, for the, for the, just for the 2021 calendar year uh, moving forward. But why don't we move along to the current Penn State football team who will play a 5:30 Saturday game at Beaver Stadium against an Illinois team that does not really have a head coach. I believe they didn't they didn't play one game, so I think they they only have I think seven games under their belt. They're two and five. They just got just run over by Northwestern in Evanston, 28-10 last Saturday. They fired Lovey Smith. Shortly after that game, their their OC Rod Smith is going to be the interim head coach. As you can expect, Penn State is a very comfortable favorite. The line's right around two touchdowns. I'm sure it's going to go up and up and up. But boy, um, James Franklin was talking Greg last week about you know, and he was you could tell you know James doesn't you could tell he was pretty perturbed at the Big Ten because of the unknown of. Uh, a ninth game, who it might be, when it might be, when Penn State might find out about it. I mean, like the rest of the Big Ten, they didn't find out, Greg, until at some point Sunday morning, I'm guessing. So really, really short week. But, you know, the one thing Penn State can have going for it is at least they don't have to travel. So now you have an Illinois team without their head coach having to come halfway across the country to play a Penn state team. And you just, you just wonder, you know, it's, this was an idea, Greg, that, you know, they came up with when they, when they announced the big 10 schedule with a champion, not just a championship game, but a champions week slate. And as the season began to you know, kind of unfold, I think you and I talk, I know Dave Jones feels the same way. It was like, do they really want to make all the teams try and play uh, on the ninth week in a pandemic? Is it really, are there some six and seven place teams in the Big Ten East and Big Ten West that are really dying to play this close to Christmas to continue to isolate and quarantine? I just, you know, uh, it seems like Penn State is fairly kung ho, but we don't know that, Greg. They just had their senior day. Now they're going to play at Beaver Stadium again. Uh, we'll see what Penn State's team looks like on Saturday because you just never know. James isn't going to James isn't going to show his cards, and who knows who's going to play for Illinois? But this is going to be just kind of an uh, and it, and the game is going to be after Greg the Big Ten title game, which I'm sure they bo- they bumped up probably. Uh, I'm guessing there's some NFL games on Saturday that forced their hand, but Greg, it it just seems like it's it's a weird day, and I, I just wonder if it's almost like a half-hearted day from the Big Ten conference. I know some teams have already shut it down. I don't think Indiana's going to play. Uh, is Indiana Purdue that game's already off? I guess Michigan's going to try and play. Who knows? But, Greg, it just seems like, you know, other than Ohio State, Northwestern, I just wonder how many teams are really into uh, this ninth week. Yeah, two bits of news related to scheduling, Bob. One really far down the road, one related to what you just said. So a couple of media outlets reporting as we record this that the Virginia Tech AD with Babcock has suggested that the 2025 Penn State Virginia Tech game probably is just going to come off the books after this year's game Penn State was supposed to go to Blacksburg the Big 10 goes conference only so that non-conference game got wiped off the books 2025 got it yeah so it sounds like that series might be going away I'm sure everyone was holding their breath for that news uh in 
more expected news, Michigan-Iowa is now canceled. That just came out a few minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, So here's the question I have for you, Bob. Are you rooting for Penn State-Illinois to be backed up from 530 to 7 into the Michigan-Iowa time slot? No, oh, I don't think you are. Greg, you uh, had to throw that at me. You had to, I'm already sweating out this snowstorm, and now I'm thinking about a, a nice trip to State College and a night – oh, that would be – whatever happened. I guess they waived that night game rule. That went by the wayside as well. Uh, I thought they weren't allowed to do that in November, but I guess it's December. So technically they're not violating the November rule. You know what? I think, I think James Franklin said it best 2020 baby uh, prepare for anything, but it's just, can we just, at, at some point, can somebody in the big 10 at the end of the year, just step up in leadership and just say, Hey man, we're really sorry. The way we handled this year, we got to be better in 2021. There's just no plans out there. Everything's an adjustment. There's not a lot of great explanations. You can, you can just tell they're winging it. And uh, I don't know. I just, the, the wisdom, the wisdom of this, this champions week might've sounded good um, before, you know, teams were having all these issues with COVID, but now it just seems like just play the big 10 title game and let, let teams kind of, you know, let, let players and coaches kind of make a decision on whether they want to play a bowl game or whether they just kind of want to get on with, you know, seeing their families. I don't know. That's just me. If it goes to seven, though, Pickle, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. We might just need to, I don't know, let's just get a room up there because it'll probably, by the time Saturday rolls around, there'll probably be another snowstorm on the way. Yeah, I could see that being the case. 2020, as you said earlier. Yeah, I mean, Penn State, a 14 and a half point favorite in this game. Feels like to me this line should be closer to twenty. I just, I mean, Illinois. I mean, it's there's enough that has to happen when you fire your head coach and put an interim head coach. Yeah. In. And it, they, this guy has to figure out signing day. What does he tell recruits? I mean, what do you, what do you say? Hey, um, yeah, I got to prepare for Ohio or for Penn State. Also, uh, so glad you're signing with us. Really, <laughs> uh, I probably won't be here next year, but this is great. Yeah. So about that. Good point. I mean, so that that's a problem. Um, you know, when you look at uh, Illinois, they've obviously have some exciting players, but they're two and five. Um, they're I just I don't see Penn State having much of an issue with this. I have to think they're going to have the motivation edge. Just listening to uh, the three players who talked on Tuesday morning, they sounds like sounds like a normal week to them, Bob. I don't know if the same can be said about the other side of this matchup. So. We'll see. I mean, yeah. And again, they've got to keep an eye on the TV broadcast schedule at this point. I mean, nothing is going to change uh, the Ohio State Northwestern game, which is a noon kick on Fox. But you make a good point. Purdue, Indiana was the 730 Friday night game, Bob. That is now off. I'm sure the Big Ten Network is going to want a Friday night game. Uh, so maybe they move Michigan State, Maryland there. I don't know. I don't Who knows what they'll do? Um, anything's possible. But uh, they're obviously running out of inventory here at some point in terms of Big Ten games. What a disaster. What a disaster. So, the Big well, Ten. to your point, and I'll just get on the soapbox for a second. I know we're getting toward the end of the blue-white breakdown. But I like when you get on your soapbox. You rarely do it. Go. Well, I just agree with you. The Big Ten for this year, it's just there's no oh. – there's no face of the league. You know, Barry Alvarez has basically become the face of the league, um, which is fine. I mean, he's been around long enough and has kind of earned that right among the athletic director groups, but I don't know where Kevin Warren and the rest of the administration has been, you know, they've done a lot of press releases after the fact, and there just seems to be no, I mean, look, Penn state knew it was playing Illinois. Like James Franklin said, there's a reason that they uploaded only Illinois film to the players iPads. I mean, they knew what was going on earlier than we did, but 
um, you know, the, the, the plan was let's play a crossover game. Well, they're going to do that, but it's not going to be the way the schedule works, which for Penn state, if they really do want to play this game, which I think they do, it's probably a good thing because the team that they would have ended up playing, I think probably would have been either Minnesota or Purdue, um, which obviously now there's issues with, um, with Purdue. It sounds like Minnesota's fine, but you know, I, it's just, it, it, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. And I compl- I don't, I'm not one of these people who disagree with the changing of the rule to make it that Ohio state was eligible for the big 10 yeah. title game. I would just like to point out that with Indiana's COVID issues, Bob, if they had not changed the rules, Penn state would be in the big 10 title game <laughs> uh, three and five. So just a fun <laughs> fact to point out there because uh, Maryland has enough games at two and two. So yeah. Um, very kind of a messy uh, situation, or two and three, I guess they are. But yeah, it's kind of just a messy situation all around. Um, I, you know, I look at some of these matchups. Maybe they'll be interesting. Maybe they won't be. Maybe Penn State, Illinois will surprise us. But nope. I think all eyes will be elsewhere around the college football world, uh, unless you're a diehard Penn State or Illinois fan at 530 on Saturday night. All right, let's get to two quick points. Uh, one Penn State related, one not Penn State related. Um so, you know, I, I think the fans are kind of wondering, but they're not going to be surprised by this answer. Not a lot of clarity, Mr. It's, it's Illinois week for James Franklin. So he was kind of asked a little bit about, hey, bowl game, you guys win your four and five. Uh, you know, what are you guys thinking? Have you guys made a decision? And it turns out not a big shock, Greg, but they have not made a decision, according to James. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, he said they're going to discuss it Saturday night because they're focused on being 1-0 and beating Illinois. That's fine. I mean, Sean Clifford, Will Levis, Jaquan Brisker, Jesse Lucetta, Rasheed Walker, Jahan Dotson, and I'm surely missing a guy or two, but multiple Penn State players have been asked about if a bowl game invitation is extended, would you want to play? And to a man, they've all said They've all paired at the 1-0, focused on Illinois line, but they've all kind of suggested that, yeah, we would like to play if that opportunity presents itself. So, you know, it's one thing to say that now, of course. It's another thing to say it when the time actually comes. Right now, I, I do think that the, uh, the odds are better than not that if there is a bowl invitation sent Penn State's way, which there will be, regardless of what happens Saturday, that they would accept it. Uh, the three that they're being projected to based on the national media projections are – either the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Phoenix, uh, the Music City Bowl in Nashville, or the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Uh, Dukes-Mayo and Nashville game are the December 26th, and the Guaranteed Rate Bowl is the 30th, I think. I, no, it's now, the I, one, I read your story. One's on the 26th, two are on the 30th. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl is in Charlotte, is it not? Yes, the Dukes-Mayo Bowl is the 30th, and the other two are the 20th, or the 26th. Either way, um, and, the, and you know what? The projections right now probably don't mean a whole lot, Bob, for two reasons. One, games keep getting canceled, so uh, there'll be more bowl games that go off the list, I'm sure, by the time Selection Sunday's here, so that's the first thing to keep in mind. But the other thing, too, is that there's going to be a lot more teams who say we don't want to play, which could move Penn State into a different right. realm of bowl possibilities than what – three and five, four and five. I can't imagine three and six, but you know, what have you. So we'll see, but uh, it sounds like I'd be willing to, if I was a gambling man, I'd be willing to bet that they play in a bowl game. If you were a gambling man, big if. Okay. Wanted to see if you were still paying attention. I'm in your story right now, Pickle. So I'm going to get this clear for the fans right now, because you, you, you are mostly right. The Deuce Mayo Bowl, Charlotte, North Carolina, December 30th. The Music City Bowl is also the 30th. 
Okay, so there's two games on the 30th. The other possibility um, that you mentioned, the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix, Arizona, that is the December 26th game. I just wanted to clear that up so no one took any shots at you uh, or your dog, Lola, um, on Twitter or via email. So two, r- the way that the media see it, two possibilities on the 30th, one possibility on December 26th. It's weird to think that that December 26th game, I believe, would be a Saturday game. It would be, it would literally be the week after the Saturday after the Illinois game. So, um, yeah, I'll be real. The only thing I'm curious about is I think James used the word, said the phrase, we'll have a discussion. So, who is leading that discussion? And, you know, is it going to be a player vote? Is it going to be, is is Sandy Barber in the administration? I mean, how is this going to be decided? I mean, and, you know, if you're James, you just say you understand if some players uh, don't want to play for whatever reason. So I just think a lot of moving parts. I say that because I think the way that things happened uh, in the western part of the state with the Pittsburgh Panthers, uh, that situation became a little unglued. I believe, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, um, there was a tweet from the Pitt defensive line coach that said, um, you know, the administration and the coaching staff wanted them to play in a bowl game, but uh, like close to 90% of the players did not want to play in the bowl game. So I think they reversed course and then decided not to play. I'm not saying that's Penn State. I'm just saying that's that's how they handled it uh, uh, in Narduziville. So we'll see. I think it'll be an interesting weekend. And I would imagine Penn State's going to have to make a decision probably by the end of this weekend uh, just for prep time to see if they're going to want to play. Um, so we'll see. But uh, one more thing to get to just because you said if you were a betting man. Uh, I know you're a betting man. Ohio State, uh, Northwestern in Indianapolis. It's like a noon kick on Saturday. Did I see, is, is Ohio State 20-point favorites? Is that right, or do I have that wrong? Should I, should I filibuster until you look it up? Yeah, why don't you do that? But that sounds spot on, yeah. And one other thing, I think that while I do this, Bob, I kind of feel like Penn State's already made up its mind on a bowl game. It's just not going to deviate from its uh, – it's typical talking points of one and oh and focus on this week's opponent, all that. I have a funny feeling they may have already decided, but we'll see. Yeah. And if, and you know, if they would play, I think Penn state's just going to allow for some kids to opt out and just, they're going to play younger kids or they'll play other kids. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you parse that. You can't, it can't just be a majority. It's got to, I would think Greg, I mean, I would think two thirds of the team would want, would have to want to play and it would have to be in the best interest and, We'll see. You're right. You're right. They probably have kind of have a, they have a pretty good feel for whether or not they want. They definitely don't want the situation that happened with Pittsburgh to come out where one they, they accept they, they say they're going to play and then the players actually don't want to play. So that was pretty bungled. Uh, was there right about the 20 point spread? You were 20 and a half, Bob. Uh, How do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I could see Northwestern doing enough to kind of gum this game up a little bit and try and keep Ohio State off the field and all that. But they have too many weapons, man. I I would lay the 20 and a half. I would. I think that – I just think Ohio State's going to run right through them. Northwestern might do enough to keep Justin Fields and that offense off the field for a bit, but I don't think it's going to be able to do it for the entire game. feels like one of those ones to me, Bob, where it's kind of like floating between – 14 and 17 and 20 points the whole game and then midway through the fourth quarter turnover a couple sa- a sack something like that uh puts ohio state over the spread top for good and they do that in cover so that's where i'm leaning and before you give your pick just one other thing i wanted us to get to uh, yeah. a lot of people have asked us about 
where CJ Thorpe has been this week. James oh, yeah. was asked to, or the last couple of weeks, rather, James Franklin was asked to address that this week, said that it's a medical issue and that that's kind of that. So we'll leave it there. But yeah, Ohio State Northwestern sounds like you might be taking the points. Greg, so I know you a little bit. If you, if you would bet Ohio State at 20 and a half and they are up, let me, let me get this. They are up 41-14 with two minutes to go. And they're already celebrating the Big Ten title. And Northwestern takes over on their 30. And Ohio State's got their 14 defense in. Are you prepared to live with a backdoor cover? I'm always prepared for that, Bob. But you are not, sir. You're lying. I, I refuse to believe that the state of Ohio and the people who live in it, support their teams, and bet it could possibly get backdoor the way the Browns did on Monday <laughs> night, and then Ohio State do the same thing on Saturday. So I think the state of Ohio got that one out of their system for now, Bob. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you're going to lay 20 and a half, the reality is you're probably actually laying 27 because of that very thing. You have to be prepared to do that. I would say I, I, I would take the 20 and a half. You might be right. You might – I mean, Ohio State might finally just be focused and ready to play. Um, also, Greg, I was, I was just hoping against hope that Michigan would try and play this week after they didn't play Ohio State last week. And then Ohio State just going, okay, all right. We're going to see you guys for years to come. We're never going to forget this. And they can't make the spread too high enough in coming series. But unfortunately, I think you said the Michigan is now not going to play. But I was – Curious to see if they were going to try and play after not playing against Ohio State. Not that, not that it was orchestrated. I'm just saying it would have made for some great theater in the 2021 Ohio State-Michigan game. 